Wake up, wake up, From Jerusalem, Israel, this is From the Midwest to the Middle East, the podcast that explores everything new in U.S. and Israeli economy. Here's your host, Philip Stein. I'm really pleased to be having this podcast today. First of all, this episode is brought to you by Philip Stein and Associates, the largest U.S. CPA firm in Israel, providing U.S. tax services to Israelis, Americans, corporations, startups, and anyone else needing them. Very pleased today to be uh, speaking with a, a special guest on a topic that I haven't really covered in the past. My guest today is Kfir Damari. Kfir is the co-founder of Space IL. He's also co-founder of a company called Tabuki, which is a mentor and public speaker on entrepreneurship and strategic thinking, as well as cybersecurity and computer networking expert. Space IL's team is the first team in the world to achieve a privately funded spacecraft and the first Israeli team to send it to the moon. By doing so, Space IL has inspired children all around Israel to find interest in space, science, and entrepreneurship, and has nurtured Israel's place as a world leader in science and technology. Kvir began studying computers in preschool, started programming at the age of six, wrote his first computer virus at the age of 11. Welcome, Kvir. Hello, thank you. We were all glued to our screens. You know, I don't use the term televisions anymore, but to our screens back in April Mm -hmm. as we awaited Breshit to touch down on the moon. Being someone who watched Apollo 11's landing on the moon, my fingers were crossed that your landing would succeed. Unfortunately, we all know what happened. How has the Space IL team moved on from that night earlier this year? So I will say that, uh, you know, everyone uh, were glued. uh, There were millions of people all around the world uh, crossing their fingers. Uh, And I would say that, you know, from it was a long journey that night concluded uh, more than an eight-and-a-half years journey. Uh, and we were hoping to have a soft land on the moon and not a hard land, uh, hard landing. But I think that uh, what we realized is that the biggest impact we made was not on the moon, although we did make an impact there. Uh, the biggest impact was here on Earth. And that impact was by inspiring the next generation of scientists and engineers and, you know, from those millions of people that were watching, uh, many of them were kids. Uh, and I didn't have the chance to see Apollo landing. But what we try to create in Space Sail is a moment that kids today can be inspired from and, you know, and realize that they can go to the moon. They can go whatever they want. They need to dream big and fulfill that, uh, fulfill that dream. And there, in, in order to do that, there's a lot of science and technology there. Uh, so hopefully also inspire them to go and study science and go to study um, technology. All right, so that really leads me into my next question. Can you explain to our listeners what STEM, S-T-E-M, stands for and why it is so important for Israel to invest resources in STEM? So, so STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, some people add uh, an A for art there, uh, but I think that uh, you know those are the different engineering uh, scientific skills. And the reason I think it's cr- crucial for Israel is that if you compare, you know, the things people work in Israel, so we don't have manufacturing plants and we don't have, uh, you know, we don't build the uh, cars here. What we do is we invent things. 
we use our minds and I think that, you know, the human mind and the, the, the capabilities of all those scientists and engineers in Israel is what pushes Israel forward, uh, both uh, from the financial side, uh, you know, all the different startups and all the different uh, innovation, and also from uh, the security side to develop, you know, the tools that are needed in order to uh, keep us safe making sure that we'll have uh, enough scientists and, and engineers is crucial for Israel. And when we started, we looked both, as I mentioned, you know, on the academia and we looked at the industry and we looked at the army in, in all of those places that were, that there were missing kids. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of researchers that try to understand why uh, less kids are studying uh, STEM. And it's not just in Israel, it's, all around the, the world. And the reasons are mostly from two parts. One part is that they don't have basic skills. They don't get the basic skills when they're young. So they, when, they, when they need to choose, they, they're missing, you know, lacking mm-hmm. tools that are needed. But the second part, which is also a crucial part, uh, is the inspiration. Even if they have the potential and they have the basic uh, knowledge and they have the tools in order to go and study STEM, they just don't want to. And this is something that this is what we try to tackle, to show them that science and technology can change the world and that they can do amazing stuff with it. So let me ask you a side question or a continuation of this question. Assuming that uh, more kids... uh, get interested, turned on to, to science, technology, engineering, and math. Does Israel have enough teachers to, uh, to handle some, let's say, increased demand? So I, thunk, I don't think that the number of teachers is the problem. I think that, you know, in parallel to inspiring the kids, we're also working with the Ministry of Education, with other organizations. We just moved to a Levinsky College that teaches teachers and, you know, we need to give those teachers more tools and uh, more tools uh, to get, you know, uh, the kids excited with mm-hmm. and to, to teach kids in a way that is relevant for, uh, for this century. Because, you know, if you think about it, one of the places that uh, had uh, the least change in the world is the education system. Uh, today, if you think about it, a, a lot of kids are still sitting in classrooms and are taught, like they're giving them knowledge. And knowledge, uh, as all of us know, is not a problem for us. We can just you know open our phone and get whatever knowledge we we want. So the idea is to give them the skills that are relevant for for their life today and and their life and like and for the future. Uh, so we are working again with also with educators and with teachers. Uh, it's not about the number of teachers, but it's about building curriculum that will be better and more relevant. It's, that sounds a very worthwhile endeavor. Let me go back a step to Space IL itself. What, what are Space IL's next projects post Bereshit? Space IL original plan was to focus on education where we got to the moon. And we are doing that, you know, uh, we just got a million dollar prize from the X Prize, not the competition, but the X X Prize Foundation themselves. And we're using this in order to continue inspiring both kids. And as I mentioned, uh, you know, work with teachers and work all around to make sure that we'll have those scientists and engineers uh, in the future. 
and we have a lot of uh, amazing ideas. We're building, uh, we're uh, in getting into classrooms, we're uh, building curriculums, we are uh, planning to have an exhibition that we can show kids what a spaceship actually means. We also have, by the way, already right now, a cartoon that we've created, a kid's book. Uh, so there are a lot of things that are happening in the educational uh, side of Space AL. But uh, on parallel, uh, after uh, we got to the moon, our chairman, uh, Maurice Khan, uh, said, uh, announced that he want to uh, build, uh, that we want to build uh, another spacecraft. Mm-hmm. And since then, we are looking into that. We are trying to understand uh, what would we want to take with us, uh, but also to see that we can have uh, the finance for that. So even if it will be the moon, we want to take another scientific mission. Uh, it could be something that I'm excited of. It could be a nanosatellite that will orbit the moon. It will be the first Israeli satellite around the moon. But we're looking into understanding, besides taking picture, what else uh, should be on board and what other scientific experiment it will do. Uh, and from the financial side, you know, the first project cost us around $100 million dollar. We estimated the second one in somewhere between uh, 60 to 80. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're working to, to make sure that we can have enough finance to give a green light to the team. I'm sort of bouncing between your company and, and the youth. Yeah. And, and I'll st- go back to my, my youth. My generation was very, we had a very strong identification with the astronauts and NASA. In other words, it was like we all knew them by name. Um, we knew the projects, we knew Mercury, Gemini, the Apollo missions. H- have you seen this phenomena with the young people uh, who, who identified with your, your first mission? In other words, that they, are, uh, very f- they got very familiar with Brayshit and are following what you guys are doing? So the answer, the short answer is yes. Uh, you know, we got amazing responses from kids. We are, you know, when we meet kids and we take pictures together, and they, they want to tell us about the project that they are doing. And, you know, we have so many parents and grandparents that had uh, a deep, uh, like, in the night uh, that we crushed, there are a lot of kids that cried. And I still get parents and grandparents that come to me and tell me, you know, uh, our kids cried that night. And, uh, but after that, they had deep conversation with those kids about the meaning of success, about the fact that in order to succeed, you need to go through a lot of challenges and you need to go, you know, and you need to keep going. And uh, so I think beside the fact that Space AL represents, you know, the fact that you need to dream big, I think Space AL also represents the fact that you need to, in order to fully follow your dreams, you need to go through a lot of things. And I think a lot of kids realize that. And, and now they are coming to us and telling us, we know it's hard work. We understand that science is hard, but we want to pursue it. Uh, and we, you know, they tell us that uh, we inspired them. And, you know, uh, I would ask for my autograph for a few times, uh, which is something, you know, oh, <laughs> not a lot of engineers uh, think that right, it could happen right. to them. Right, uh, that's true. That's fabulous. Yeah. Obviously, I uh, looked at uh, your website and read about your company. You have quite a VIP list of supporters. Mm-hmm. Why do you think such well-known philanthropists, who are also obviously business people but you know they're mostly known today most of these people these supporters as philanthropists are, are interested in space exploration 
So, first of all, SpaceAL is a non-profit, not a company. Right, okay. But the reason, I think, is not about... It's not focused on space exploration itself. Okay, okay. I, I think that, you know, people related to this project, and, you know, it's everyone, also the donors, from a few reasons. One is the fact that, uh, you know, it's Israeli. Uh, if you look at our donors, you know, it, it's also the first private space in the, in the world, but I think that the donors themselves looked at it as, uh, first of all, the, the first Israeli one. Uh, so that was part of it, to, to get Israel to, a place, to places uh, we've never been before. The second reason was the technology. And this connects to the space exploration. It's, I think it's about breaking the glass ceiling. It's about showing the fact that in small amount of resources, you can build a, and go explore places you were never able to do before. And so, so I think, you know, it's a lot about building groundbreaking technologies that can change the way humanity explore the universe. And the third reason, I think, was the education. You know, some of the donors, I think all of them connected, but some of them connected more to that issue. We need to have things, we need to have projects that will inspire kids to go and study STEM. It's crucial for Israel. They saw the impact, the impact it had on their kids. And uh, they wanted to help us spread this uh, to Israel and also around the world. You know, we've met more than a million kids during those li- last eight and a half years. Uh, most of them are in Israel, but also uh, in the States, uh, we, in New York, in Los Angeles, like around the globe. We came and told our story. And it's not just about telling a story. It's about saying that it is rocket science, but it's something that kids can understand. And this is the message for them. You know, you can be a six-year-old, you can read our book, but you'll know how a uh, spacecraft is now uh, constructed or what are the different components. And, you know, this is something you can understand. We also gave kids, uh, for example, challenges uh, that our uh, engineering team tackled. And we told them, you know, about what's the problem, and we gave them time, and they found solutions. And some solutions are those that are actually being used in the space industry. And some might, you know, we might use that in the future. But it's amazing to see that kids uh, are not afraid uh, to take big challenges, to take something that is a rocket science and tackle it themselves. It's really uh, just generates so much uh, positive energy. If you work hard and and, uh, have some luck, are achievable. And I think that's what young people really need uh, and probably the next generation needs. Um, So I I salute you in this this, uh, project or your company. You originally founded the company to compete in Google's Lunar X Prize. Why do you think that Google wanted to sponsor such a contest? So I would say that one question is why Google wanted to keep the prize. One is why did the XPRIZE themselves thought about this prize in the first place? Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think that Google decided to sponsor this prize because it's something that sounds uh, cool, connects to its spirit, also helps, uh, you know, to push humanity forward. Uh, but I think that it's also interesting to look about the X-Prize themselves. The X-Prize is a foundation that believes that you can push humanity forward and move uh, you know, science forward uh, through competitions. And uh, the Google Lunar X-Prize is just one of those uh, competitions. They have many more. And I think the reason they chose that is that the first competition they did in space was to have a, a vehicle, a reusable vehicle that can take people into space 
the company who won that, Spaceship One, was bought by Richard Branson, and now they are Virgin Galactic and offering uh, tickets to space, and hopefully soon they will start. And they wanted to see if, if it's possible to use this concept of competition to move us even uh, farther into the universe. And the, the closest place beyond you know, Earth is the moon. Uh, so this is why they chose that, and they wanted to see if they can have private organizations, not government, mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. And when we started, we are actually the only nonprofit in the competition. All the other companies, all the other organizations were companies. Mm-hmm. And, and in a way, the fact that we decided to be a nonprofit, uh, I think, was one of our business, smartest business decisions. You know, we did that because that's what felt right. It's not our spacecraft, it's the Israeli spacecraft. It belongs to everyone who cares about Israel. But in the end, to have a $20 million prize with a $100 million project, it's not logical. And I think that we didn't look for ROI, we looked for social ROI. Mm-hmm. We looked for the impact on the kids and on science in general. And, like, and I think that uh, was what helped us get to, as I mentioned, Maurice Kahn and the Edelson family and Schusterman and Adams and Ministerkis and all the big donors and, and, and tell them our story and they could connect and relate. It wasn't a business investment. Uh, it was something that can help Israel. It's something that can help science and help the future. Okay, let, let's just, uh, my last question about the company itself. You, you've really put together a, a world-class team of, of scientists around the globe. What are the challenges of managing such a geographically dispersed team? So I think from a, a geographic aspect, uh, we did try to have most of them uh, be in Israel. Okay. Uh, but, I, but I think that it's still really, really complicated. We have 14 different types of engineering uh, that need to work together. And we truly need the, the talentless people, but we also needed people that don't come from the space industry because the space industry is really conservative. And we wanted to see if we can build things differently. So in a way, we, we created a mix between uh, young, enthusiastic engineers and, you know, the old, uh, more experienced engineers. Uh, and we had to make them work together and to work together with the Israeli aerospace industry that uh, were our biggest uh, partners. And actually, the space was, was built there. So I think the complexity was uh, from the different types of people that were involved. Uh, on one hand, the, uh, on, a, on a, another hand, the complexity uh, also started because when we began, we were our, our all-volunteer organization. And through the years, we moved to have like a core team of full-time employees, and that team became bigger. And, and eventually, around uh, five to f- uh, years into the project, we hired a professional CEO uh, in the beginning uh, in Dr. Ran Prisman and later Dr. Ido and Tebi, and they did a shift that all the team, all the engineering was full-time, and that helped from a lot of reasons. You know, it, it costs more, but you can actually have people that are dedicated, and I think that also helped us to actually get to the point that we can have a spacecraft ready for launch. Fabulous. Again, this has really been uh, an inspiring, and I hope my listeners, my regular listeners, invite their children to, to listen to this podcast. Uh, but if my listeners and or their children want to learn more about Space IL, how, how would they uh, find out about that or reach out to you personally? 
so they can uh, to space hell they can reach out in a website they can reach out in uh, in our facebook uh, we have as i mentioned all kind of uh, curriculums uh, for kids we also have that in english together with the the eye center organization that we've partnered uh, to build the uh, curriculums in english for kids about space hell Uh, and also uh, regarding myself, they can find me Facebook Phil Damari to the website or uh, directly. Uh, and we're doing you know lectures in Israel in schools, but we're also doing lectures also abroad, and they're welcome to reach out. Thank you very much, Kvir, and uh, wish you great success in your uh, plans and endeavors and um, really making an impact on the, the young generation of, of Israel. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.pstein.com or look for Philip Stein and Associates on Facebook and LinkedIn. 